listening to another episode of that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. How's it going, Bo? Well, it's going quite all right. Uh, we, we started to finally get uh, more colder weather here. And uh, Luke actually got called home, I think, on Friday uh, because it was going to be icy rain. So he, he got like an hour and a half. He got out an hour and a half early. But we've, we've been really lucky with weather uh, this this holiday or this winter season. So uh, we're, we're kind of getting it now, though. It's getting pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, your country as a whole's had it pretty bad, hasn't it? Yeah. I don't really know much specifics, but I do know. I was speaking to uh, to Daniel from Board Game Geek earlier, and he think, he was expecting high traffic levels on the site than he usually mm-hmm. had and he was blaming it potentially blaming it on there being a lot of snow on the east coast so a few people staying at home and maybe mm. having a sneaky look at board game geek instead of doing the work <laughs> nice that sounds yeah. that sounds like a good good use of an afternoon <laughs> definitely yeah uh we had a bunch of people uh comment on the last episode uh various bits and pieces um yeah it was good to hear yeah, it was nice to see a little more engagement from our users, our, our yeah. listeners. Yeah, the first one I went to talk about was uh, Jonathan Jeffries. Um, he he was really quick on the buzzer, um, <laughs> and he mentioned that um, Amazon they have a, a, a programmable dash button, mm. uh, and I've got one here. Unfortunately, I've not had a good play with it yet because I believe I need to uh, apply to be in sort of it's only in beta at the minute. So I applied to be in the beta. I have the device, but you I'm, actually ordered one since the last episode. Yeah, I ordered it as soon okay. as I saw. Um, nice. <laughs> so yeah, it was actually you know, it's actually twenty pounds, and the the usual cost of a dash button is about five pounds. But obviously, they're happy to sell you those probably at a loss because they're assuming you're going to use it to yeah. purchase goods over and over. So yeah, so I've got this button here. Um, I've not done anything with it yet because I'm waiting to be enrolled into the program on AWS. Mm-hmm. However, I did do a bit of reading, and um, if you don't fancy paying twenty pounds for this to have a proper play with it connects to lambda i think is what they do so i assume it connects to sns somehow so you actually when you press the button it will be a a lambda function that's firing Mm. and then you can do whatever you like really nice Uh, but if you don't fancy paying 20 pounds for that there's a there's a hack you can do at least for the time being so the way these dash buttons work to save battery because there's only um i think it's a double a or triple a battery we call them you know which is Mm -hmm. small cylindrical ones yep um, there's one of those in there, um, and they reckon it'll last for about five thousand invocations. Mm. Um, but to save battery, the 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 Wi-Fi shut down, and then when you press it, it actually st- boots up the Wi-Fi, connects to the network, then sends the signal. Okay. Right. So what you do is you get one of these dash buttons, you connect to you it using your phone, and you go through a workflow to set it up. Uh, so you know, make sure it's linked to your account, and then at the end of that workflow, you get to choose which product it orders. I mentioned Listerine last week um, as the one I got. Basically, mm-hmm. you get to choose your flavor of Listerine mouthwash. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you don't do that bit, so if you do everything, so including setting it up for your to your to your giving it access to your Wi-Fi network mm-hmm. and whatever you need to do, except for that very last bit where you choose a product, it still works. In that, when you press the button, it wakes up and connects to your Wi-Fi but doesn't actually order anything because it can't order anything. Mm-hmm. However, when it wakes up and connects to the Wi-Fi, in just like every other networking device does, it sends out a certain amount of packets, uh, the most obvious one being a, an ARP probe, address mm-hmm. resolution protocol, is that right? Yep. Whatever it is. So it sends out an ARP probe. So people have a little daemon running somewhere, say on your... PC. If you've got a desktop PC, it's great because you can leave it on. And the you have it running, so and it's basically listening for these app probes. You press the button, 
the, the button wakes up, sends out the art probe, you get the MAC address. So, so now you know the MAC address of that button from the art probe. And then you basically write a little program to say, whenever you hear an art probe with this MAC address, do whatever you like. <laughs> nice. So the hack I saw, some guy wanted to record how often he changed uh, his baby's nappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a diaper to you guys in the States, or guys and yeah. girls. And uh, so he had a, a dash button for whatever product it was. He'd scribbled over the logo and put it on the um, the baby changing unit so that every time he changed the nappy, he could press the button and it would all it did was dump it in a spreadsheet mm. so that he'd know when he was getting low on nappies, basically. Nice. But, I mean, um, that's a nice way of doing it. Mm-hmm. If you want a little bit of a hack rather than... <laughs> than, than buying the real thing but yeah i just thought it was worth mentioning nice that's pretty cool yeah he also um chimed in on the the sad light uh question and like the more of the home automation things and he mentioned the lifex day and dusk bulbs um and so did uh michael dorita dorinda yeah um he also mentioned that as well but he said that um only two of the four bulbs he has actually work for automation. And I think that might have been specifically with HomeKit. Um, so, you know, HomeKit is the, the iOS uh, ecosystem, and only only two of his four bulbs actually worked with it. Um, so, yeah, it was, nice to, it was nice to hear from them. Um, Michael also has two podcasts now. He has one that is own, right? It's Yeah, North-South North- Audio. And then I think he took over the... Uh, Lara, like the the Laravel News podcast. I can't mm. was it Eric, Eric Barnes? Mate? I don't know. And I, I can't remember who did that before. I know okay. Eric Barnes does Laravel News. I don't know. If, mm-hmm. I don't know if he did the podcast as well. But yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was nice for for him to chime in. Um, we had a couple of other people uh, mention something about the the home automation stuff. Uh, Mark Relton, I think we we've both met him a few times. I think. Yeah. Um, he mentioned that he has an Echo in his home office, and he wants to get one for his bedroom soon. Um, says he loves it, so that's pretty cool. So he's he's into that. Um, Kevin Boyd, on the other hand, uh, he, he says he's been avoiding it for whatever reason, but reluctantly uses Siri. So mm. I guess he's just an iOS user who needs to use Siri on occasion. I still have not used Siri for anything, so I don't. I'm I'm not really sure. Uh, but he did sound like he would be interested in looking at these programmable dash buttons. So hopefully he's gotten some. Uh, if he if he tunes into this episode, he'll have more ideas for things to go play with. Uh, yeah, and of course I'll uh, put links into those programs. Cool. Uh, in the show um, Yeah, and also from last week's episode, we talked about Bitcoin, uh, which it's funny, it's seven days later, and I don't know if you've been paying attention to Bitcoin. I just noticed this morning that um, it's down to, well, a couple of minutes ago, it was down to $9,877. Yeah, it's, it's about half its peak, isn't it? Um, it? It's half its peak, and just since last week, I think uh, when we recorded last week, it was in, in the 14200s. <laughs> so yeah. my... Uh, $25 investment that turned into $163 is back down to 113 So I, I don't know if we were uh, as vocal about this last episode as we should have, but Bitcoin is speculative. <laughs> we do not advocate people investing money in Bitcoin unless you know yeah. what you're doing. What was and it? Um, do, you, do you remember when you uh, you had a kick? It wasn't Kickstarter, was it? It was uh, Crowdcube. Crowdcube, yep. What, what did you have to put on on the end of every tweet? Investments are a risk? Investment at yeah, something yeah. like that. Every bit of correspondence had to have that little disclaimer at the end. Investment yep. may be at risk. Investment may be at risk. Yep. 
Yeah. So, oh, and on that, um, I think two days ago now was the anniversary of us arriving in the UK two years ago, two year anniversary. So um, Facebook has been ever wonderful about sharing memories. And it's a a little bittersweet for me. uh, So those were some really happy times in the first few days and then just sort of went downhill from there. But yeah, so it's it's kind of one of those reminders that I'm like, yeah, okay, that was actually really fun. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. And um, Beck appreciated that a little bit, uh, hearing me mention that to her the, the other day, because she mostly thinks I just hated the whole experience. But it's mostly bittersweet as opposed to anything. Yeah. It's It was stressful. There's, there's yeah. a difference between. And I can't believe it's been two years, and I still don't think we've seen each other. Like, we, we were there for six months. It's been another year and a half know, since yeah. then. <laughs> so I'm hoping we'll be able to get the families together at some point, uh, maybe sometime in the next year or so. Sure. Um. Other weird things that happened. Did you follow much with the Hawaii missile alert thing? Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> crazy, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I, so my, my initial uh, learning of it was actually um, – You've got my, family, haven't you? Yeah, we've got family in Hawaii, and they emailed and said, yeah, while we were sitting in the bathroom contemplating – life you know we found out it was just you know a drill and i was like what's a drill <laughs> so then i looked at twitter and we we were actually at a movie at the time and it is it is funny in a sense but also it had real world impact on real people and you know all of the weird technology back and forth discussions people are having i haven't seen too many people except for like actual mainstream media talking about the human cost and you know i don't think anybody died over it but i can imagine people getting super stressed out well, you know panic, yeah yeah definitely. onset of you know heart attacks or whatever because you're like you know yeah it, it it was it was interesting and i've seen a lot of people talking about you know this being a ui problem or a ux problem and then there's people saying it's a conspiracy theory of some sort and um yeah it's it, it was like this weird little blip and now it's kind of fading but yeah that it, it had a real personal impact on me because i knew people there and the very first thing i heard about it was from them <laughs> you know talking about how they went and hid in the bathroom and and i'm thinking well that wouldn't have done any good probably <laughs> you know yeah. i mean like what do you do like seek shelter okay maybe if you have a bomb shelter but otherwise just go for a walk i don't know um so yeah i, I guess that was kind of an interesting thing for me to look at from a technology perspective but also with like the real world stuff behind it oh yeah well the real world stuff is scary i, I wouldn't yeah. say that was hilarious but yeah i mean in general the 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 fact that it's possible um mm-hmm. that yeah. to have happened in the first place mm-hmm. uh I mean, I don't know if I'm, I don't know whether to believe it or not. But did you see the the the, the list of links that? <laughs> yeah, was supposedly I, I clicked. Heard, um, yeah, I heard the original. Um, I think one of the original reports was that it was a drop down, and they selected the wrong drop down. But since then, I've seen a picture that looked like it was just a a list of ten things. <laughs> yeah, all you could, very, you could yeah. click one. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, changing topic completely. Uh, mm-hmm. A really quick mention. Um, I don't know how I came across it, but I was looking to uh, Twitter and um, I noticed a Twitter handle, um, and it was I hate, but hate in like text speak, so H mm-hmm. eight that mm-hmm. podcast. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I hate that podcast. I was like, what's this? I had to check it out. 
And it mm-hmm. took me a minute, minute to realise, and um, it's actually the Twitter handle for a podcast called I Hate That. Uh. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't give the podcast a look, uh, a listen, but yeah, it just uh, took me by, caught me a bit by surprise when I saw it in the Twitter feed. It just said I hate that podcast, and I was like, nice. oh, it's, a bit, it's a bit harsh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I started doing some more podcast-related things last week, and found out that uh, you can have podcasts submitted to Spotify. So I went through some hooky form. Um, I think they're just using Google Forms to request the information for it, and maybe we'll be there someday. I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, also, the other podcast thing I got to do last week is um, Matthew Sutter had me on to Free the Geek. Cool. Um, and uh, that's another one where you know I, I look back at how we named our podcast, and it was really funny at first. And then once you look at the SEO of a podcast called That Podcast, and <laughs> How much it's not easily discoverable. Um, so I start to pay attention to those sorts of things. And uh, his, in his case, I was a little confused about the name of the podcast because it's Free the Geek, but it's Freeing the Geek, like F-R-E-E-I-N-G, for the Twitter handle. So I wasn't sure which one it was. But as it turned out, Free the Geek was already taken, apparently, on Twitter. So he had to find a different one. Uh, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun, uh, having a chance to talk with him about... Um, Sculpin and me writing too long of emails, so not writing long emails anymore. It was a, it was a really good discussion. We went back and forth quite a bit, so that was pretty cool. Um, but his release cycle's a lot longer. Uh, he he got a great backlog of recordings, so I don't think our episode's going to go out for another two months, maybe. Right. Okay. Yeah. But um. But yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So it was it was great to um, be in touch with him. I actually got to meet him at PHP World like three years ago or something like that. Uh, but we haven't really had a a lot of chances to to actually sit down and talk. So that was a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah. So um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about something that I've picked up since. Um, uh, since we sort of went on break this summer, which was um, the the workflow that we're using at Blackfire for uh, doing like uh, mockups and prototypes and things like that. Uh, previously, I'd been using like um, Photoshop just to do random things. Um, I've used other various tools in the past. I think there's a OmniGraffle for Mac, sort of let you do some sort of you know things. Um, <clears throat> And then, uh, of course, there was Balsamic, which was interesting. Uh, It actually is really good, and I like how it kind of looks like a low-fidelity style design, so you don't have to spend too much time making it look pretty or whatever. You're just using the components and and laying things out. Uh, The problem was uh, with Balsamic, at least for me, is the collaboration aspect. Um, like yeah. I'm, I'm well beyond the point where I want to worry about sending files to people and making sure we aren't clobbering each other's work, um, or whatever. So I talked, um, uh, I talked Christoph into, uh, switching to my balsamic, um, which was the, the SAS based solution, which w- was, it was okay. There was, it, I would say it was about 80% of the functionality that the, the desktop version had, except you could actually real time collaborate with people, which was pretty cool. Uh, but the, the user experience as a desktop app was just horrible. <laughs> um, it, it pretty much felt like a flash or a big shockwave flash app, and it very well may have been. Um, yeah. so like I couldn't actually do drag, drag and drop or scroll with my, my Mac mouse. I had to actually like click and drag and all these weird things and just felt very clunky and cumbersome. Mm. 
Um, so I wanted to find something a little different. So I started kind of looking around for kind of what the state of the art was for people doing collaborative design work. And I, I found out that I'd been seeing something that I didn't realize was actually a thing. Um, I kept seeing people talking about sketch and it took me a while before I realized that it was capital S and that it was actually a product. Um, so I'd, I'd seen people like, like, like weird articles or whatever, like we just mentioned, you know, doing something in sketch or sending over a sketch. And I just assumed it was shorthand for something, uh, but it's actually a Mac app. So I, I took a trial of that and actually found it was pretty nice to work with. Have you used it? Well, I haven't. So, I mean, knowing we were going to talk about it, I have a few questions about it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with some of the basics and I know, I know what it's for in mm-hmm. its most basic form, but I don't know. I mean, I, even earlier when we talked about, we, when, we, when you mentioned we, you wanted to talk about it, I, mm-hmm. I hit the homepage and I was like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I understand that. And then all of a sudden there was about a bunch of features. I was like, what, what, <laughs> what are they? What does that do? What does that mean? Um, yeah. And to be honest, it was a bit a little daunting for someone who's not used to these kind of tools. Um, so yeah. I'm interested to hear how you're using it to to what extent you're using it. I mean, there was all kinds of things like it said it was going to export a library of stuff for me. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> I, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So uh, what does your design workflow look like for the stuff that you're doing? Like, do you have a designer you work with? Um, or do you just do developer style design where you do the best you can? And if someone asks you to change it, you change it or mostly developer style. And um, we okay. do at the minute we're using a designer, uh, so a UX designer, um, mm-hmm. uh, and he gives me artwork, um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's all I see. I, do, I say that, I mean, all I've had is the actual artwork in the form of sort of, uh, concepts. So I haven't mm-hmm. actually been given artwork to work with. I don't know what he'll actually give me. Right. So he, he basically gives you flat PNGs. PDF, show you, uh, PDF at the minute. Or PDF yeah. that that show you what it should look like and then it's your job to make it. So. Yeah. And these yeah. are he's trying he's selling these concepts at the minute as well. So there's flyouts, you know, mm-hmm. it's annotated, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean when I do it myself, I'm usually I've used balsamic in the past. Mm-hmm. Um it feels a bit dated now when I but then I haven't used it for a while. Uh, but then yeah. other than that, I'll probably sketch with paper and sharpies to mm-hmm. get a rough idea and then I'll go straight into the HTML. Okay. Um, and do you, do you use like Photoshop or any sort of graphics manipulation programs? I do, but I use the GIMP just because mm. yeah, I'm li- Lin- Linux most of Linux. the time. Um, yeah. And I, I know you can mess about on Wine and things with mm-hmm. Photoshop. And you maybe there have been advancements <laughs> since, but I just, I can do everything I need in the GIMP if I need to. And also, uh, Inkscape. Inkscape's actually pretty good. Okay. Uh, for, and that's vector, is that vector drawing? For vector, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I was spoiled way too early on with Photoshop, uh, like way back in high school. I got used to the tools and, used GIMP from like very early alpha or beta releases before it was even stable and just never, <laughs> I was never able to make myself comfortable using GIMP. Oh yeah, um, I understand. I mean, uh, it was force of habit really. It was mm-hmm. when in my first job, like Photoshop licenses for all the devs would have been like, there's just no way. Yeah. Just, they're not interested in paying that kind of money for it. So, yeah. we, so I, was, I got used to using free tools and that was yeah. one of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so I, uh, for, for me, Sketch is somewhere between Photoshop and Illustrator. It's still vectory, um, but it feels like it's easier to draw th- 
things than it does in Photoshop for me. Like I've never really liked doing freeform stuff in Photoshop. I'd rather do it in Illustrator. Um, but there were a lot of things in Illustrator that were kind of weird. Um, so sketch sort of seems like it's in between and I think it can fit a lot of different use cases. Um, and there's probably tons of stuff that I don't even know about with it. Um, but like what you're saying with, um, exporting libraries i i'm not entirely sure if this is what what they meant by that particular thing but they do give you the ability to export assets um probably as a big zip file so what you can do is look at the uh, the symbols which are basically little libraries um that you have in your um your screenshots and you can export them yeah as svg you can export them as png you can export them as png you know 2x resolution um all in one go so if you're your designer that's working with you if they were working with sketch what they could do in addition to uh, printing off a pdf would be to give you a zip archive that has all of the assets that you you need so you wouldn't have to build them that all be sized correctly as they were in the document and and things like that um, so you know you can do some really high level design stuff uh, with sketch, but then you can also get down to pixel perfect design um, design work with it as well. And that's kind of the direction that I ended up going with it. Uh, we built up a, or I built up a design language um, that we're using for um, some concepts for new Blackfire UI. And so like we have things like a, a profile listing, um, uh, a profile list item that I can then copy and paste um, several times in, in the same document to make a list out of it. Uh, but the other thing that you can do is um, do overrides. So that profile listing is actually a composite of um, a, a text field with the title and then a bunch of little icons and a bunch of um, text fields that have you know default values in them. And what you can do for each one of the instances of that object you place is you can then go in and replace parts of it. So the the icon that shows whether or not a profile was um, uh, had errors or not was either red or green. Then you can choose to um, uh, it shows the default by default, and then I can go in and say override the check mark with the the red cross. Um, so then I can build a really nice looking example set of data uh, just by uh, swapping out the different pieces. And the, the UI for it is really great. Um, like the tab UI, you can put the um, and, it, and I'm saying tab UI as if it's something that they've implemented. It's it, But it's not. It's actually my design files that I implemented uh, where I could go in and say, OK, here's five tabs. I can give the tabs names um, and then you can have uh, different states. So all you have to do is switch it is switch it from the, the the tab state to the tab active state or the tab hover state or whatever and you you're controlling these all in one spot um, on your symbols page uh, so that it's really easy to like make massive sweeping changes to the entire document to see how the whole thing is going to look uh, which is really a lot how CSS works or how CSS is supposed to work that you have these reusable elements that you can then drop in different classes in different places and that results in showing a different icon or uh, showing it with a different state because it's supposed to be active versus inactive. Um, so yeah, it's, it turned out to be really pleasing to work with, um, especially having come from both Photoshop and Illustrator and Balsamic. Um, it became really easy to just start building 
the actual UI, um, and then finding out that it had some really great tools for actually export, exporting that information so that you could give it to a developer and say, okay, here's exactly, you know, the icons you need, or here's the, you know, the SVGs for uh, the action buttons. Here they are. And then they just have them at the right sizes that the developer needs um, so that there's a, a lot less back and forth. There's no need for them to kind of guess or, you know, try to find those icons some other way. It's just there. So it's been pretty, pretty nice for that purpose. Okay. Um, so how, if you, how, how much easier would you say is then, then say literally writing HTML, CSS? Cause I mean, I know you, 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 for all you, you, you dig at CSS there, I know you're very capable with it mm-hmm. and, and you're very capable of writing HTML. So you're, you're not the designer or the UX designer who can't do that stuff. Right. So how 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 do you feel it gives you or what sort of advantages does it give you or how is it speed or is it just or is the tooling that much better and it's quicker or i think it's that much better and it's quicker uh but but i think it goes hand in hand with the other thing i wanted to talk about which was marvel for the prototyping um but in general i'd say that you can build some pretty nice html templates pretty fast but you get to the point where you are quickly starting to tweak specific instances of things in CSS and then CSS files start to grow, um, kind of grow <laughs> out of control a little bit, at least in my experience. Uh, what I've found with working with Sketch is that um, there's enough, it's easy enough to make a custom instance or create a, another symbol for a different state, but there's enough resistance to not want to do that unless I absolutely have to. Like, does the design really need this, or am I just curious if it's going to look differently? I find that I don't tweak the, uh, I don't tweak things, go back and tweak things as much, um, and I think it makes the design more stable for me. Um, also, HTML is fun, and you can copy and paste things or whatever, but you're copying and pasting chunks of HTML, whereas if you're copying and pasting instances instances of the um, uh, the instance of the profile list symbol, for example, um, I can change that whole profile instance, the look and feel, um, as easily as I could with CSS. But if I actually rearrange things and try different layouts and start moving stuff around, um, now all of a sudden I'd have to go back to each individual individual, individual instance in the HTML and reorganize how the C, uh, the actual structure is is laid out. Um, and then any of the, the values that I've put in there that overrided the defaults, I'd have to set them again. Um, so it, I, I feel like there are, uh, there's a couple of different reasons why it's faster for me to work with Sketch rather than HTML and CSS. Um, I think it's mostly just being able to do things visually rather than even worrying about what the code is going to look like. Having to do anything in code is just always in the visual. It's always uh, in that mindset. Okay. I mean, the reason I ask is um, it's it's pretty old now, but I mean, a long time ago and 37 signals were... They used to, you know, they used to shout about that when they do their design, like the the UX design, they do it right there in the HTML and CSS quite often. You know, the mm-hmm. quickly tapping it out and seeing how it looks like this, literally live on the page. I, I get the feeling now that they don't do that so much because they're probably a much bigger company now, and mm-hmm. you know, they probably have dedicated designers and who don't code or whatever. And stuff yeah. like that. But, but I thought I'd ask. Um, yeah, and and I, I think that I think that the other thing is that with HTML, like you have to come up with a structure for laying out the, the items. You might want to like, there's no way to create like a thumbnail or zoom in or look at a, a group of pages at one time. Um, so, for example, with the the pages we have, um, our main page is going to have three tabs on it. So I can 
lay out all three tabs and I can look at all three at the same exact time. Whereas if I had created those in HTML, I'd have to go in and edit them or, you know, create a directory listing that says, okay, click here. And if I add a new layout, let's say I add 10 new layouts for another set of pages, I'd have to go edit the HTML and manage that, that directory structure or whatever so that they're, they're clickable. Um, so it's definitely, I think it's definitely doable to do it that way as well. I just feel like having it all there in, as a cohesive set that I can just click around and zoom in on what I want to and zoom out um, really, really helps a lot. And I'm all about uh, making like live prototypes in some cases. Um, and I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. But yeah, I've, I've been enjoying this workflow. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's ironically, it's not ironic. It's coincidental that you brought this up because um, the other day I mentioned that we've got a designer working on some stuff for us now. He's doing concepts for some of the sort of like the the most visited uh, flows in the site. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I mentioned to, I discussed with the CEO the other day is we get, our navigation's pretty poor at the minute. People mm-hmm. have a, I mean, some stuff is barely navigable at all, but even the navigation we do have at the minute, it's very rubbish it's just a mm-hmm. list and uh, separated into three different lists and i think the separation is not bad there but in general it's not great and that very day i saw a tweet come across my timeline mm-hmm. i've actually just pinged you the url so just so you're not yep. i'm not discussing it blind mm-hmm. uh, but it's from steve i think it's shoga would you say shoga sure sure why not um and he's um he talks about um navigation particularly drop down navigation and from a header on a web page and he said uh it can be more than a boring list of links and that is literally what i just discussed with the boss except mm. i'd never moved away from the boring list of links all we did was discuss maybe we can get rid of a few of the links mm-hmm. you know so that to make it smaller um yeah and i'd never even stepped back and looked at what i could do because he he shows some exam an example where it's a two column layout. You know, the list isn't a drop down like the width of the link that you're clicking. It's the, mm-hmm. it's, you know, three quarters of the width of the page. There's two columns. There's icons. There's actually a little bit of help text underneath the links to say what that thing is. You know, that mm-hmm. first, that first visit to the site. Yep. You open the navigation. You, our site, you just present it with a list of links and you don't even know what they do, mm-hmm. what they are. You know, um, so I was actually, I set about thinking, how am I going to do this? And I actually sat down, first started pick, picked up pen and paper, then changed my mind and started writing HTML and CSS. But to be honest, the, the, the CSS, I was like, uh, I was trying to piece it together. We use Bootstrap on on the site and I was trying mm-hmm. to piece it together with just the existing Bootstrap classes, you know, in, in a utility style. Yeah. And it just looked rubbish, and and I actually gave up in the end. Mm. So I was thinking, and then you mentioned this, and I was thinking, well, does that sound to you like the kind of thing you'd pick up Sketch for, and have a, a whale of a time doing it in Sketch? Yeah, I think that this this could potentially be something like that. Um, like I don't I don't think that that I will always just go straight to Sketch first. I think that doing doing prototypes on whiteboards or you know on the back of a napkin or whatever, I think there's still a lot of value in that to see what you want in general. Uh, but then when you get to the point of actually seeing if it works visually, I feel like something like Sketch can be super useful for that um, because, like you said, trying trying to do this uh, hack it together with just existing bootstrap um, utility method or utility classes and whatnot could turn out to be pretty hard. I mean, it, it might work out just right. Um, I know that, uh, have, have you done anything with Tailwind CSS? 
No, not yet. No. Yeah. I'm familiar um, with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I can't remember who all's involved with it. I know Adam with, with him is. This guy um, is as well. The guy I've just talked about. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So, okay. I see the, the link is for re- refactoring UI. All right. I, I've actually seen that project too. Um, yeah. And I, I thought I recognized that. Um, but, you know, they, their their goal is to make it easier to create stuff like this without having to do a lot of custom CSS. Yeah. Um, so, so in their case, they might be able to whip this up in CSS and HTML really quickly. Um, well, just in HTML. Um, and, and I'm guessing they probably, this is probably a tutorial for doing just that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, trying different visual ways to lay out things, I think is done, could be done more easily and better by using some sort of graphics tool, because that's what graphics tools are good at. Um, and then when, once you know what you want or know pretty close to what you want, then trying to build it in HTML and creating a proper prototype of actual code being rendered. You know, I think it's totally fine to do that. I also look at this, um, the screen that we're looking at here where they have the simple list version versus the really nice list. I think that like the, the 37 signals people probably could bang out the one on the left pretty well <laughs> with just the simple things. And that's in for, for some projects that might be enough. Um, and if that's what you're doing, totally get, if you can get away with that and you enjoy it and it's actually useful for your users, Awesome. Um, but if you're trying to do anything kind of out of the ordinary or trying to build lists that are more complicated or layouts that are more complicated, being able to see those in a visual context rather than trying to make the HTML gymnastics work uh, just to see if you even like it, uh, like how it looks, uh, can be kind of painful, I think. I don't think I think that's what I'm trying to get away from uh, by using uh, a tool like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, like I said, I mean, I. I got bogged down with the HTML and CSS and actually moved on to something else because, you know, I I actually wanted to let the sort of creative side of things flow as in the ideas and Mm -hmm. how it might look, like, concept-wise. And I didn't get there because the HTML HTML and CSS didn't give me what I needed to see. It didn't give it to you fast enough, so... Yeah. It, yeah. So I think a tool, in that case, a tool like Sketch could actually probably work pretty well. Okay. So then the next tool you mentioned was Marvel, and you're using those uh, together, yeah. uh, or one after the other, or is it, is it side by side, or, or like, do you see uh, what I mean? I'm using them side by side in, in uh, some aspects. So um, I found Marvel because I was looking for an old app that I think I downloaded once on my iPhone or iPad called Prototyping on Paper, um, which was designed to be something where you could actually write do whiteboard or, you know, do, um, uh, prototypes actually on paper, index cards or whatever, um, and then take pictures of them and then mark them up within the, within the iOS device to say, okay, well, if there's a little box, if I click that box, it's going to take me to this card or this photo of this card. And then you could like build up, um, a prototype that way. Um, that I think, I think the, I can't remember who created that, but I want to say there was a pretty nice video from the original prototyping on paper people talking about why they created it and the power of um, building prototypes um, on paper first and paying attention to the granularity of things. Um, so like you might have 
some cases where you need to render the entire experience in order for you to be able to figure it out um, to, to follow what's going on. And then other cases, you might just need to look at the form itself and know if I click this button, the next view that should show me is what the, uh, the error text looks like or the success message. And you don't need the shell. You don't need the wrapper. So um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty interesting thing to, to see. It's like it's stuff that you know, but actually seeing it presented sort of made it more clear that this idea of prototyping can be really simple, can be really fast, and can be really powerful. Um, and it doesn't always have to be prototyping the whole screen or the whole experience. You could be prototyping just little pieces of it. So I went looking for that because um, I, I, th- I think it was after I'd used Sketch, but I wanted to see if, what other tools were out there. Um, and so I found out that prototyping on paper had been bought by Marvel. And Marvel had a similar philosophy uh, to how things, uh, how they were doing things, but I, th- I don't remember exactly how they differed. Um, but they basically combined forces, and so I, I looked at that a little bit. It was kind of interesting, um, and then I noticed, and that's actually where I, I first saw, um, or where I think that I did find that one first because it said something about a sketch plugin. I'm like, what's a sketch plugin? Why like? And that's when I realized the sketch was a real thing, uh, was a real app, and I think that's how I ended up getting Sketch. So. Um, the way that it works is rather than getting photos f- from taking a picture or using um, Marvel's online design tools, which are not quite up to the level of Balsamics, uh, they, they do have a simple design tool that lets you do some things. Uh, so rather than taking photos or um, doing design in, in uh, Marvel itself, uh, you can actually export your artboards from uh, Marvel or uh, from Sketch, so that's when I really started trying Sketch, kind of like put the whole thing together. And the way that it works now is that within my Mar- uh, within my Sketch uh, project, um, I have a bunch of different pages, and those pages each are a different part of the interface or different uh, iteration of the interface. Uh, right now, I have uh, Blackfire New as a set of pages that are for kind of like the big overarching things that we wanted to eventually do. Like what are the new components? What are the new, what's the new navigation going to look like? Um, and then I have a, another page called Blackfire Alt. Um, and what that is, is just taking the functionality and features we have now and reorganizing the navigation so that once we get to the point to do the rest of the things in Blackfire new, uh, a bunch of the work's already done. So all the navigation expectations will be set. Uh, the new styles will, will be set. So we're going to do some new things with some different styles. Um, so you have all of these things, and then you can upload them directly into Marvel um, by just a click of a button. You can say sync. Um, so then it syncs those files up. Um, and then what you can do is go on to Marvel and look at these individual pages and mark those up showing, okay, if I click this button, it goes to this page. If I click to this button, it goes to this page. And basically, you end up with a, a fully interactive prototype with, um, I don't want to say pixel perfect necessarily, because I don't think that's exactly the goal. But you're actually dealing with um, screenshots from Sketch that are pretty close to what you're ultimately going to have the developer um, actually implement. Um, so you can see, you know, problems in navigation, like if something doesn't feel right or something feels clunky, you can see it right then and there before actually having to go build the code and then find out that, well, I didn't need that React component because that was going to be not useful. And now I just spent two days on it <laughs> building this React component we don't need. Uh, so it gives you a really good way to go directly from design 
uh, to prototyping, uh, which really fleshes out both the design and kind of the overall direction. And then you can share it with the developers pretty easily. Um, and that's just uh, that that part is something that we just started looking at this week. Um, they have a uh, Marvel has an app, uh, a feature called um, Handoff. So it's specifically for developer handoff. Um, and the goal with that is that you can share the Marvel presentation with with a developer, they can click the little handoff button, and then it switches from the prototype view where you can click on things to navigate uh, to a view where you can uh, click on any element on the screen, and it'll show you the spacing properties and the H- uh, CSS properties um, for the for the item. So if you have say a trash icon in the in the the profile list, I can click that. I can see exactly how big the trash icon space is supposed to be. Um, there's a picture of the trash. Icon that I can then click the download and get the SVG version of that icon right now at the right size. Um, and then once uh, an element is selected, you can then mouse over all of the adjacent elements so you can see the padding between them or the distance between them. Um, so you can see that, okay, well, this text field that I have here, you know, it's there's 10, uh, 10 pixels between there and the, the side of the list um, so that you can then use that to generate uh, the CSS on the um, on the developer side and know without having to open a graphics app. Um, so one of the problems is that our developers, or at least at least the one that I'm working with right now, uh, has a Linux box. So he can't run Sketch. Sketch is a Mac-only app. Um, so he wouldn't be able to click around and find these properties from within Sketch itself. But uh, using Marvel with Handoff, he's able to just open up a normal web browser and find, all, find out all of that information. So I, I'm pretty excited about the workflow. Um, the, the handoff stuff is really super exciting, but we're kind of running into some issues with some of the some of the ways that it works. And we're not sure if we're doing something wrong in Sketch or if Marvel has a bug or or how that works. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's what I've been working on for the last like week. Uh, so yeah. it's been pretty cool. Maybe, maybe it's just a complicated thing and yeah. it's not so, perfect. You know, the- so, so for example, the, the profile list, we have like, let's say we have five of those on the screen and we've selected that the first one is supposed to be success with, with no recommendations or success with recommendations, fail with no recommendations, fail with recommend, with recommendations. Basically have all of the iterations so that you can see what they're supposed to look like. When you click on the, the asset for say, um, success or failure, every time right now the the actual asset is the the check the green check mark. So even though it's rendered as the red cross, because that's the way it should be, when you click on the red cross, uh, it's looking at the sketch file and looking at the default for that State. instance, yeah. So, so th- there's some things there where they, um, uh, the, the team has been really great at responding. I've been sending a lot of messages to the the Marvel team. Um, they said that it, that's supposed to work. So we sent them a copy of our sketch file to see if if um, it's broken just for us, or if it's broken in general, or maybe there's a new version of Sketch or something that I'm using that they don't, they that changed something. Um, so it's it's not foolproof by any means, um, but it's still it's been enough to get. Um, um, us pretty far on the designs that we're trying to do for the the, the first iteration. Um, I, I saw some screenshots of the work in progress today, and it looks pretty close to what it's supposed to. Um, so yeah, so it's it's seems like it's working all right for us. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, the other, the only problem that that 
Sketch still has is that I'm now working with a proper designer. So far, I've been doing mostly mockups, and I'm pretty happy with my developer uh, graphics design layout nonsense. But um, you know, we wanted a designer to take a look at it and kind of put some polish on it. And now we're back to the problem with sketch files being shared <laughs> back and forth right. uh, between people. Um, so what I've been doing today, actually, because Kristoff uh, actually wants to be working on this, the, the mockups as well, which would then make three people passing around a sketch file. Just I I don't want to do that any longer than I have to. Um, it looks like there's two different, uh, pretty promising um, SaaS solutions for this. Um, there's one called Picnic Design. Uh, Picnic. Uh, the URL is picnic.design, um, and the other one is Abstract, um, and that's goabstract.com. So I'm going to probably try a trial on both of those. Um, but th- their their pitch is that they will let multiple like people work on the same sketch file. Uh, at the same time, um, one or both of them, I believe, offer like version control support and being able to create branches and things like that. Pretty sure Abstract was the one that did the branches. I can't remember if Picnic does. It seems like it could be overkill for us. I don't know if our if we'd be able to get our designer in on creating branches for things uh, versus just something simple that we can edit the same file. And, you know, if he makes changes to the file and I, yeah. I, I make changes to the same thing without getting a branch, I'd probably still be happier <laughs> than uh, passing around a sketch file via email. It just it feels dirty. Yeah. Of course, no. So, yeah. I don't, do you have other questions or? No, not really. I no? mean, I, I think Marvel's probably a step too far for me because, mm. you know, um it it seems like it's an extra step that I wouldn't have. Um, we don't have as many staff as you, uh, so mm-hmm. we don't have that kind of flow. But definitely, sketch is something I could look about. But I do have that problem that I I work ninety percent of my time on a Linux desktop machine. Yeah, uh, so I'm crippled in that sense. But yeah, yeah the 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 Marvel stuff is pretty nice because um, you know being able to share it with other people. But I also I've also used it on my own personal projects as well to sort of flesh out things to make sure they make sense before I, I start working on them. Um, I almost feel like if I didn't have sketch, Marvel would be a nice thing to have just to be able to do that part of it. Um, you know, even if you're doing like, like, uh, drawing on paper and wanting to mock it up and make sure that you haven't forgotten anything because yes, if I click here, 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 Oh, how do I ever get to that other page? <laughs> you yeah. know, I, like I've, I've coded myself into those corners before and realized that there was something core missing to the thing that, you know, of course that page is there. But there's just no way to get to it or it doesn't make sense uh, to get to it. So, so yeah, I, I think that either tool is probably useful for different people um, at different times. But I've been really, really happy with the, the combination of them. Like putting them together has been been pretty cool. Yeah, maybe you should uh, give me a share your screen with me at some point. And sure. Walk me through it. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. For now, though, we're probably getting up to about time. Yep. Is there anything quickly you wanted to get in before we call it a wrap? I don't think so. We, I think we did pretty much covered everything that I had on my list. So, Yeah, me too. So, Cool. All right. Well, I guess we can call this one a wrap. You've been listening to That Podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. 
You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O.